we're at the end of a school year. What, what makes you want to come back in September, guys? Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Before we begin, I just want to mention that we relish your feedback, so please drop us a line, say hello, tell us where you are in the world listening to us, and share any show ideas or notice or wonders you might have. Please send any feedback to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Well, Dave and Abby, we're, at least where we live in our part of the world, we're slowly getting into summer, and, and summer comes with its own busyness. I confess to you that when I started teaching, I really thought I, I loved the concept of having summers off. Oh, the myth uh, of the teacher, having summers the, off? The myth of that, but I, I can remember thinking that was a thing. Yeah. And that thing doesn't exist, no, actually. No. Um, but summer is definitely a different rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like, even we're on a university campus, and we're here, and we're working, but there's a different rhythm, mm-hmm. and, and we miss the students here, that oh, we yeah. have so much life. Um, but it's definitely a, a different a time that we can kind of recalibrate. So here's my question. Even though we don't get it off, there's a different rhythm. So I'm curious for you, either professionally or personally, what's one rhythm that summer allows um, that's just really unique to this time of year? So is there something in your personal professional rhythm that because it's summer and it's just a little different, hey, I can do this now? Abby, how about you? Well, I'm the parents of young children who the last few weeks of school are always a struggle because it's light out until 9, 9.30, right? And so one thing that is always fun for them and fun for me because I don't have to argue with them anymore is that they can stay up until it actually gets dark. So last night, Jason was mowing the lawn. That's my husband. And the kids were playing soccer in the front yard. I was sitting on the porch. And I think it was 9.30, 9.45 before Mm -hmm. we made him come in and go straight to bed, right? And so I just really love being outside, sitting on my porch, watching my kids, right, and not having to worry about hauling my six-year-old out of bed, right? Yeah, right. No, for sure. Um, to get on the bus. Yeah. There's so. a freedom there, right? There and joy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How about you, Dave? So some of my rhythms, I, I go home for lunch almost every day yeah. during the school year, too, and I do that in the summers, yeah. too. But Missy, my wife, gives me a hard time. She's like, is it smoothie season yet? Oh. And so this is like one of my things, and so it's a seasonal kind of rhythm for yeah. me. I have a smoothie for lunch almost every day during oh. the summer months, and I don't during the school year. And I don't know why that happens yeah. to be for mm-hmm. me, but it yeah. is. And so it's just kind of... You need I to will, share a couple smoothie recipes. Yeah. Sometime, sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. look forward in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say for me, like I'm a, I'm a big walker. So obviously um, walking in the winter in Northwest <laughs> Iowa means walking. With, we are blessed. And I mean that to have an indoor track on this campus that we have access to. But I just, I am an outdoors person. Being outdoors is life giving for me. Mm-hmm. And so early morning walks are, are my favorite or late evening walks. Kind of like either as the sun's coming up, I just love the smells and the sounds. Um, and the same is true in the evening. I often walk through the, um, there's something here called the prairie. 
and there's just a lot of red-winged blackbirds mm -hmm. and just again as the sun's coming up i just love being out there so i would just say outdoor walks for me are really unique to summer so yeah thanks for sharing that guys Dave and Abby, I was just perusing through The Courage to Teach. Dave, I know you have read this probably more than anyone I know. Uh, how many times would you say you've read that? At about? least seven times. Yeah. Probably between seven and ten yeah, times. Seven or eight times. And I still remember the first time I read that book. I found it so compelling. I just, yeah. For me, it was... It is. It was so... Um, we'll provide a link for that in our show yeah. notes. And if you haven't read it... Friends, I really encourage you to read it. Even if you're a non-educator, I think it's actually a really important book mm -hmm. to help you even understand some of the educators you know you know in your life. Yeah. Um, it was real transformational for me. But I came across this quote that I just want to share. It's a longer quote. Um, and just so you know, the question at the end, he has this phrase that many of us are familiar with, this idea of we teach who we are. So as you listen, I'm just my opening question to you is going to be, hey, when you think about the phrase and the concept of we teach who we are, um, what does that mean to you? So, so here's, here's uh, Parker Palmer's words. I am a teacher at heart, and there are moments in the classroom where I can hardly hold the joy. When my students and I discovered the uncharted territory to explore, when the pathway out of the thicket opens up before us, when our experience is illumined, by the lightning life of the mind, then teaching is the finest work I know. But at other moments, the classroom is so lifeless or painful or confused, I am so powerless to do anything about it, that my claim to be a teacher seems a transparent sham. Then the enemy is everywhere, in those students from some alien planet, in the subject I thought I knew, and in the personal pathology that keeps me earning my living this way, what a fool I was to imagine that I had mastered this occult art, harder to divine than tea leaves and impossible for mortals to do even passably well. If you are a teacher who has never had bad days or who has them but does not care, this book is not for you. <laughs> this book is for teachers who have good and bad days and whose bad days bring the suffering that comes only from something one loves. It is for teachers who refuse to harden their hearts because they love learners, learning, and the teaching life. When you love your work that much, and many teachers do, the only way to get out of trouble is to go deeper in. We must enter, not evade the tangles of teaching so we can understand them better and negotiate them with more grace, not only to guard our spirits, but also to serve our students well. Those tangles have three important sources. The first two are commonplace, but the third and most fundamental is rarely given its due. First, the subjects we teach are as large and complex as life, so our knowledge of them is always flawed and partial. No matter how we devote ourselves to reading and research, teaching requires a command of content that always eludes our grasp. Second, the students we teach are larger than life and even more complex. To see them clearly and see them whole and respond to them wisely at the moment requires a fusion of Freud and Solomon that few of us ever achieve. If students and subjects accounted for all the complexities of teaching, 
Our standard ways of coping would do. Keep up with our fields as best we can and learn enough techniques to stay ahead of the student's psyche. But there is another reason for these complexities. We teach who we are. So Palmer essentially says, hey, it's the subject matter and it's the um, practice and the students, but yet we bring ourselves to the classroom, which adds another layer. Absolutely. And so I guess my wonder is, because we, and we've used this phrase even on this podcast, we teach who we are, but I was just really compelled, especially at the end of a school year, mm -hmm. thinking about that, thinking about subject and students, and then thinking, oh, like, but I'm part of that. I'm the third part here. And so, David, I know you've read the book. And if I can start with you, just Absolutely. some initial thoughts, either about what we just read or even just the concept itself. Well, I, I, first I'll just say I love <coughs> I love the way Parker Palmer uses language to paint a picture, uh -huh. right? And just hearing you read that aloud, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm transported back to the first time that I read this book uh, myself and just thinking how the words just kind of wash over you. And um, So I'll just re really reiterate what you yeah. said at the beginning. If, if folks haven't read this book before, I highly recommend it. You, you will not regret it. Right. Um, one of the things that strikes me when as soon as we start thinking about we teach who we are uh, later on in the book Palmer uses the uh, talks about two two interrelated concepts of identity and integrity right um, and so you as a teacher you have an identity like this who who you are and you have an integrity about you and when you hear integrity a lot of times we think like doing the right thing for the right reason kind of mm -hmm. your personal integrity. that's not what he means by this mm -hmm. more in the sense of being integral mm -hmm. right being whole um, and so like when you are teaching, you have identity and integrity. So it's like who who you are and how it all hangs together mm. all at the same time. Yeah. And that has stuck with me ever since the first time reading this book. And that was part of what why this book was so impactful. There was a time that I reread it every August to get ready for the new school year. Yeah. And just to get me into that mindset again of, yeah, caring about, yes, the students and yes, the subject, yes but also how do I conduct my craft, right? Yeah. Like what, what, what do I specifically have to offer uh -huh. in my identity and in my wholeness, being a whole person here, that makes what I'm doing in the classroom come to life in, in yeah. some way. And that's terrifying to think yeah. about it, right? It's so much easier to act like a teacher and to just play yeah. a role and you know do, do the techniques that you know are gonna be successful as opposed to actually bringing yeah. your real self into the world, yeah. right? And there's a vulnerability there. Yes, yeah. right? And and at what level, what's the appropriate level of vulnerability? I guess that's, that's a right. really good way of saying it, right? Like I want to be professional with my students, but I also want to be personable. Yeah. And, right. and the more personable you are, there's the a more perception. Yeah. The, the yeah. more vulnerable you are, right? Like that, and so you have to weigh those things I always find, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I bring my professional self, I bring my training, I bring my knowledge of the subject matter yes, into yes. the classroom every day, but I can't separate it from who I am. Or, or if I could, it actually teaching would be much simpler. It's like yeah. it's like you right. said, right? Because because then it would simply would be the subject matter and the students, mm -hmm. and I can just leave myself at the door. But I also feel like part of the the joy and the reward of teaching is all these things coming mm -hmm. together. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think part of it for me is too, is like we're, we're asking our students to bring who they are, to be vulnerable in their learning, yeah. to bring their whole and broken selves to the classroom. 
And how can we do that if we're not willing to do that mm -hmm. well, ourselves? Right. So yeah. that, that's why I really like this idea, right? If you're a teacher that never has bad days or has them and does not care, the book isn't for you. Right. Right? Such and, a good line. So it is such <laughs> a good line because because there are days, David, I, I, would, I, I confess to you, there are days I wish I could do that. Mm. I wish yeah. I could park it at the end of the day. Yeah. I wish I could leave it behind me mm -hmm. and, and I need to be better at that to be honest yeah. there like there is a place where you can I want to say this the right way where you can care too much or you can feel so like I I feel mm -hmm. it so heavily at times that I, it might be better for me to feel it less and yet that there's a strength and there's a shadow side to that right yeah. to that being being yeah. a strength and yeah. and if I have to choose one or the other then yeah, then I choose teaching who I am mm -hmm. versus not caring about my bad dates. Right. I don't know. That's my initial as you're as you're yeah. thinking. But it it's what makes teaching so exhausting. And I think that's why I said earlier. And so exhilarating. And so exhilarating. Yes. But that's why I said for if there's non-educators who who know educators, mm -hmm. I think this book would be helpful actually. <laughs> yeah. To just, just, just say this is this yeah. is the this is the life of yeah, it, the work, um, the work of it. Yeah. Abby, how about you? If I can, what are some yeah. initial thoughts from you? I always think when I hear this phrase and um, think about teaching who we are, and I say this to my pre-service teachers too, right? We have to be whole people mm -hmm. in a healthy mm -hmm. sense, yeah right, in order to effectively teach. Mm. And so I think too about, um, like some of the work Brene Brown has done on wholeheartedness, Chuck mm. DeGroat, mm. um, vulnerability ties into that, yes. right, not armoring up, um, mm. being curious instead of defensive. Mm. Um, all of that inner work that I think is really important for teachers to do so yeah. that they can interact well yeah. with the people sitting in front of them. I teach future teachers who are going to interact with adolescents. And I, I say this every year when we talk about adolescent development. Um, if you are dependent on those students in your classroom to make you feel good, do not do this job, yeah. right? Your well-being cannot yeah. depend mm -hmm. on the emotions <laughs> or the <laughs> approval yeah. or yeah. the goodwill <laughs> or the behavior or any, like you yeah. cannot depend on those students to that's fill right. you up emotionally. That's right. That will not work. And it that's is not a fair. recipe for disaster. And it's not fair to it's them, not actually. Fair. That is not their job and not their not role. Their you have to be a whole person mm -hmm. who is fulfilled in yourself and through God and through family and through relationships that do yeah. not depend on them so that you have yourself yeah. to give to them. Because the other way around is a recipe. Yeah. For disaster, and I wasn't always good at that. Oh, right. Oh, I was terrible at that early Awful. on. Awful. Right. Oh, and right? I still have lots of. I oh, mean, I've, yes. I've come a long way. And so, so know? young teachers, I think this is a big part of their their yeah, work right. at the beginning. I'm yeah. I'm not that way anymore. Yeah. I have a lot more curiosity and yeah. less defensiveness, but mm -hmm. I was very defensive yeah. at the beginning, right? Yeah. And yeah. so. And, and your identity is tied in. It's just, just a lot to untangle For sure. and to think about. And I think it's a lot of inner work, mm -hmm. actually. But how do, you, how do you protect the hardening of a heart mm -hmm. in, a, in a job? Because cause I can get there some days. Mm -hmm. Like, I can get there some days, right? 
And, and maybe Palmer answers the question, and maybe I'm looking for more insight about what this means. He, he says, when you love your work that much, the only way to get out of trouble, the only way to keep a soft heart is to go deeper in. And it's sort of this paradox, right? To get out, you got to go in, right? We, may, we must enter and not evade the tangles of teaching. Um, what makes that so difficult? Or like, how do we protect our hearts? Or even, even just for you on those days, like what, yeah, what keeps you keeps you going like we're at the end of a school year what what makes you want to come back in september guys when so many are opting out actually well and i think that's the complicated piece of it right like by the end of the year teaching takes a lot out of me i it's life-giving work for me but it's exhausting and i think i think doing this job well means you're going to be spent like i go home tired every day still after how many years of doing this right and so there's got to be something besides the work to fill your tank, right? Yeah. Because by the end of the semester, I am exhausted. Yeah. And so then to plan deliberately to do other things. We were talking at the beginning yeah. about the different rhythms that summer yeah. brings. It's, it's yeah, the myth of, of having summers off. But I do get to do different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that was true when I taught in K-12 too. Like I often would take on a summer job, but it was almost always something mm-hmm. like I was working for as an apprentice electrician or um, like I've cleaned carpets one yeah. summer, right? And like, that's not fun work <laughs> per se, but it was great. Like to do yeah. something where teaching sometimes feels so intangible because yeah. the work we're doing is hearts and minds yeah. and you, you're planting seeds that you might not see the fruit of yeah. till much, much later. Yeah. And so for me to go clean carpets and yeah. say like, Hey, okay, this basement it was filthy at the beginning of the day yeah. and it's clean now. Yeah. Wow. Look at what I did here. Yeah. Right. And that sounds mm. so silly in some sense, no, but that that's, that's silly. also me being a whole person, yeah. right? Like yeah. because you're pouring so much into the work that you don't get to yeah. see the results to have something in your life. Yeah. This is why, like one of my hobbies that I love to do still to this day, I love doing jigsaw puzzles. And as I know it's like the most boring, nerdy uh, hobby ever, but for yeah. me, there's something about that. Like it is, it is almost meditative for me when I dump all these pieces out and then there's the sorting out process mm. for, and finding the edge pieces and then like I usually have all my little paper plates where I sort by color right even because I'm that guy okay <laughs> I know. Paper no I've plate. never that's an interesting I'm, strategy right? I've so, never and so there's something about that part of it right like I'm placing some sense of order on things where mm-hmm. I feel like teaching yeah I have order in my classroom and order in my planning process order in my assessment process but so much of that is intangible mm-hmm. stuff. And so even yeah. like in a hobby like that, and so over time I'm putting the puzzle together and it comes to take shape and then like that satisfying feeling of putting yeah. that last piece in. And it's like, I need something like that in yeah. my life too, I've mm-hmm. realized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, do you, how do you both of you get to a place, like Palmer talks about this idea of, of thinking about the content, right? We're we're asked to be experts, and I don't mean that because of our whether you're a kindergarten teacher, middle school, high school, university professor, yeah. a, a principal. There's this expectation that yeah, you and you are the expert, but you never know enough. Yeah, like right. so, on the one hand, how whether it's with pedagogy or even content knowledge, that you strive for excellence and want to be an expert, and yet and it has to be good enough, and yet it's never enough right he uses the language no matter how we devote ourselves to reading and research teaching requires a command of content that that always eludes our grasp and so i'm wondering how do you both of you balance being excellent at your craft 
and knowing there's always more you can do. I don't know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you exist in that tension, Dave? Like, because I know you, because I know <laughs> you've talked before, and I know this yeah. to be true. You, you, well, this is true of all of us, but you've articulated this clearly of, of you have this bar of what a 10 is. Oh, yes. And you have a very high standard for pedagogy, for learning, and yep, yep. Um, and you've talked about this struggle a bit. So it's a tension. So how do yeah. you you hit the home? You want to hit a home run, yeah. And some days you hit a double or a triple, and yet not wanting to settle and say I want to be mediocre, and yet yeah. today the double. It's a double, and that has to be okay. And I think this is the trickiest thing about teaching. Non-teachers don't understand this. I've had this conversation with our friends who don't teach, and they just can't quite get their head around it, right? Like, we don't always know how it's going to go. Like, yeah. as much as I can plan tightly yeah. for, for the, our friend Daryl said that, yeah. plan tight, hang loose, right? Yeah. And, like, you do. Like, I can yeah. have everything planned. But as soon as I get in front of the class and something happened or yeah. you're, like, reading the room, like, it's not going to go the way I planned it. Oh, okay. Can I recover from that? Sometimes. Yeah. Not always. Because it just yeah. depends. So, like you say, like, I plan to hit a home run every day. Yeah. Some days it's yeah. a double. Some days yeah. I strike out. You know, and, and those um, things are beyond your control. Yeah, right. Right, so many of them. Right. Right. I mean, K twelve, you've got fire drills, you've got activities, you've got. Yes. I just been out to recess, and it's hot, or it's cold, or. Yeah. What happened on the playground? They yes. forgot their lunch. They didn't yes. have breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But is there not a tension sometimes in that, Abby, as teachers, and in, in that we believe or we have this desire to be in control that it does mm. sort of all hinge on us, right? right like we're right. we're directing the symphony so yeah. so to speak and and yet that they can play whatever note they in the end they yeah, right they yeah. can do what they want and so I, even there I, I feel this tension of like we are asked to be you know creatively in control mm. and yet so much of it is beyond our control and that and I think that's what he gets at right um, students we teach are larger than life and even more complex. Mm -hmm. um, it just, oh, it isn't that think, the truth? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think the best we can do is create opportunities for them. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like really good opportunities yeah. for them to engage. Right. You yeah. can't make them no. engage. Yeah. Right. But you can create really good, like, tempting. Yeah. What am I going to do? And I've, I've said that yeah. to future teachers that I work with or even master's level students that I, or, you know, teachers, practicing teachers I'm working with. Like, what am I going to do that's going to entice them yes, in? Absolutely. And I know that puts a big burden on me as the teacher, too. Yes, yeah. it does. But that's the work, But wouldn't you rather entice them than try to make them? Right. Like, and you can't make them. It's a myth. Yeah, that's you right. You can't make them learn. Well, power in the classroom is oh, an illusion, right? Right. Like, the yeah. fact that like I can... I would so much rather create something that's going to draw them in totally or create but, opportunities. For but them. is it not hard, Abby, when you do all that and mm -hmm. they say no to your invitation? Mm -hmm. That's what I find so oh, it's hard. Exhausting. Like, it is exhausting. Right? And that's the part where it's beyond my control, mm -hmm. and yet I feel like I've I like failed. I didn't entice mm -hmm. enough. I didn't... Mm -hmm. And that, that, for me, is the hard thing, right? On, on the one hand, it's like you said, if, if I'm looking at a bunch of 12 or 13, 6-year-olds or 20-year-olds for affirmation and, and mm -hmm. to give me a stronger sense of identity, that's unfair to them, and it's not gonna, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And yet, when I walk away from that, even though I know it's beyond my control, I come back. You asked me after every class, I tell you, how'd it go? Yeah. It's my go-to question. Totally. Like, how to oh, go. How to and go. I can't help but feel like I didn't do enough. That, 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 uh, 
and and I just don't know how to reconcile that all the time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I, sure, it's beyond my control, and I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And that that's the struggle of it, I think. Sometimes. So one of the phrases that I picked up from Rick Wormley years and years ago was this idea of committing to daring acts of pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I love that phrase because there, too, there's like this imagination that right. comes to me, right? right? Like, okay, so what's going to be the daring act of pedagogy today? And sometimes that is something I'm going to try that's risky that I like, I've maybe never tried this before and I don't know how it's going to go with, with the students. Like, because here we are in the flesh. And so then I'll name that to them because yeah. like teaching in yeah. education means we're always mm-hmm. yeah. teaching mm-hmm. the content while yeah. we're teaching them about teaching, yeah. right? So. Like if I was teaching in K-12, would I name the things that I'm doing? Right. I probably still would right. because I love to invite students yeah. into that. And when I was a middle school science teacher, I would do, hey, guys, I'm trying something weird here. Are you guys yeah. up for, the, and like my one eyebrow goes up and I'm kind of, you know, looking, like gesturing at them. And like, okay, Mr. Mulder, we'll, we'll play along, right? Yeah. And then I always thank them for that afterwards too. Like, thank you, you guys. <laughs> so like, this was a risk for me. Thanks for, for mm-hmm. just jumping in. And whether no. sailed or flopped, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, thanks for trying this. with And... I think pulling back that curtain is important for students sometimes. I had so many in my ed psych class when students would reflect on, I didn't realize my teachers were doing this. This is what they were doing. You know, they'll reflect on the learning theories that we're learning Mm. and they'll say, oh, I never realized. I just thought like, that's my favorite when we do like, I used to think, but now I think with, with this group of students, I used to like, literally some of them were like, I used to think my students just didn't feel like teach or my teachers just didn't feel like teaching anymore when they gave us group work. And now I realize they were trying to build all of these other skills. And I'm like, I wish they would have told you that. Right. Yeah. Right. Because how much more engaged would you have been than if you thought your teacher was just trying to take it easy for the day and and giving the work to you. There's more going on than you realize. And I think naming that for students is also part of the work. It can be very powerful, right? And it invites them into what's happening. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, education is something we're doing to them. I I want to fight against that because I felt that myself early in my teaching career. Like, well, I have to do all these things to make sure they get it. Well, you can teach a whole lot without any learning happening. Right? Yeah. And, oh, and man. To, Word. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so to, to invite students yeah. in to what we're trying to do in the classroom, I think that matters. That's, yeah. that's a good reminder. Yeah. It really matters. Friends, we know your time is valuable, and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. Whether it's this day, this week, this month, or as you end your school year, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And we want to send you from here with this blessing. So to our listeners, God go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. And may the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. So this started out as a sound check and it turned into yeah. an episode. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs>